Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. I'm Devin Katayama, and you're listening to The Bay, local news to keep you rooted. Many members of the Scotts Valley Band of Pomo Indians in Lake County struggle with poverty and homelessness. The tribe also doesn't have its own reservation. But now the Scotts Valley tribe has bought an apartment building with help from the state, and it's already made a big difference in people's lives. feels very rewarding because my kids get to grow up in a happy, healthy situation in a home. Today, how the Scotts Valley Tribe has bought back land and helped unsheltered tribal members. Hi, I'm Sasha Koka, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Randa Dirfetah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. Project Home Key was something that was introduced about a year ago by Governor Gavin Newsom. Molly Solomon is a housing affordability reporter for KQED and co-host of the podcast Sold Out, Rethinking Housing in America. The idea behind it was essentially we had been moving homeless people into hotel rooms that different cities and counties were leasing across the state of California. The real focus was to keep people safe from coronavirus. Pretty soon after that, the the question of what happens once these hotels close and are we going to be able to ensure that people that we've just placed in thousands of hotels across the state of California um, get put into permanent housing. The idea there was that we weren't just going to be leasing these hotel rooms, but cities and counties were going to be able to access funding to buy the whole building. And and what we've seen since then is that, you know, while most of them were hotel conversions, we've seen other things too. 
We've seen cities buy up single-family homes, modular homes built into whole communities. Uh, We've seen tiny home villages. Um, Some places have catered to more specific populations like native tribes. It's really become uh, probably the main focus of the governor's pitch to reduce homelessness dramatically. So the scope of Project Home Key sounds pretty big. How did you end up in Lakeport? What question did you seek to answer by going there? When I started to to look at some of the specific funding sources that were going out to some of these rural places, I noticed that there were three tribes. Um, and that seemed pretty unusual and kind of like a first to me that I had heard of, uh, that California was actually partnering with some of these local tribes in more rural areas to really deal with homelessness. And when you really dive in and you start to look at the statistics and you start to look at the rates of homelessness, by any metric, um, tribal communities are really struggling. And I thought this would be a really good opportunity to dive in to look at how a tribe was trying to fix that. You know, Lakeport is a more rural part of the state. It's got a small population. The biggest physical marker is is, is Clear Lake. It's right on the the edge of the lake there. Uh, Less than 5,000 people live there. And uh, it's also where this tribe, the Scotts Valley Band of Pomo Indians, is headquartered. Because we're landless, we're pretty spread out. I spoke with one tribal member, Patricia Franklin. She also used to be elected to the tribal council for many years. A lot of our members were relocated to the Bay Area. Our members didn't know it then, but it was part of an assimilation um, where the hopes from the government was that we would marry in and pretty much not really be native anymore, I guess. The Scotts Valley Band of Pomo Indians once occupied a very large span of land from Clear Lake down to the Bay Area, uh, San Pablo Bay, um, all the way through the Mendocino Forest to the Pacific Coast. And it's a tribe of about 300 members now. So they're, they're a relatively small tribe. While they are federally recognized, they're landless. They don't have a reservation or a home to call their own. One of the things I notice working for other local tribes is they have a community you know, they have a play community center usually and place where all the kids can go every day and kind of get, you know, uh, education services and health services and all of that. So that's kind of what we're missing. And what do homeless rates look like for this tribe, especially in Lake County? So Native Americans, American Indians in that area make up about less than 4% of the population. But when you look at the homelessness count, they make up over 22%. So, I mean, that's a huge difference right there. And it's a group that's very underserved. And so what did the tribe hope to do by applying for money from Project Home Key? They saw an opportunity to purchase a 10-unit apartment complex. They were able to get a million dollars in funding awarded from the state through this home key program. So I'm, I mean, I know this area, and when I seen that it was for sale, I pushed real hard for us to buy it because I knew that we had tribal members in here already. So Joshua Ray, he is a social worker with the tribe. He's basically the site manager of this apartment complex. He'll be the, you know, quote-unquote landlord. I did a lot of work to make it look like this. 
he drove me down from the main headquarters in Lakeport, and then we drove down to Clear Lake, where, where the apartment complex is. Uh, I think it was built about 56 years ago, and it was very run down. Um, Eight of the units are two bedrooms. There's a three bedroom, one bedroom. So, you know, a couple dozen people could live there. We don't have a big tribe, but we do have a tribe that doesn't have housing. We don't have a reservation, so we got to think outside the box. We walked through one of the new units that they just remodeled. They didn't have any air conditioning. Ugh. And, and it's, it gets it, hot it, in It's here. 110 yeah. degrees up here in Lake County. For him, he sees this as long overdue. Government paying for homeless services for Native people. What he sort of envisions this place being is is really like, you know, a place that Native people can go to and, and feel like they're understood. This is a really big deal for them. I mean, there's about between 30 and 40 people that are homeless or at risk of homelessness in this tribe. Um, that's about 10% of tribal members. This is the first real big investment that they've been able to make to actually create new housing for their members. You know, right now they're finishing renovations, but folks are already moving in and they're already seeing it changing people's lives. Like you said, this project seems like a really big deal to members of the Scotts Valley tribe. Did you talk to anybody who actually moved into one of the apartments there? I did. I met a woman named Cheyenne Wright. And we can sit down, Stan, whatever you can. Cool. All right. I'm going to put this down. And she had uh, moved with her boyfriend, her four-year-old, her newborn son into a two-bedroom apartment at this apartment complex. She's actually the first person to have moved in. Uh, she moved in earlier this year in February. And when I seen the apartments here, I was like, oh, it's actually really big. You have a big living room, two big bedrooms, a tub. Usually you don't get tubs. <laughs> Before that, she was basically living with her boyfriend's mom. They were renting a room at this house in Stockton. She was no longer getting along with the mom. She didn't feel safe in the house. It was stressful. It was really hard, but I just tried to stay positive as much as possible. And then obviously when she gave birth to her newborn son about six months ago, I think it just kind of came to a head. Space got even tighter for them. When did you first hear that there might be an opportunity for you to get your own place? I believe it was December. So she actually reached out to her tribe. Um, her cousin is Joshua Ray, the property manager. And he said, hey, you know, there's this thing that we have going on. These apartment complexes are about to open up. I think we could get you in. What did she say about what it meant to come back to Lakeport and, and to have her home there? which, uh, you know, used to be the center of where her tribe lived. Yeah, that was, you know, being closer to family, being closer to friends. um, That was very important to her, I think, especially as her family was growing. feels very rewarding because my kids get to grow up in a happy, healthy situation in a home. You know, she had mentioned that she wanted to be closer to the tribe because she was able to access some of those health benefits and her son was going to need a pediatrician, a doctor. They're actually very helpful. I actually work at my tribe now, so they help me get a job. 
you know, she talked about how she was at the point where she was having to make certain decisions between, you know, food for her family, gas in her car, um, and a place to live. So I think if this didn't come around, an affordable unit, you know, she would have been looking at either moving into her car um, or becoming homeless. It sounds like this apartment complex isn't just about an apartment complex. It, it's, it also sounds like it's about helping people get connected with resources and, and potentially even work. Yeah, you know, I think that a big thing to remember is that there's also just a greater history and mistreatment by the U.S. government. And what I heard from Joshua and from other tribal members is that a lot of Native people don't necessarily trust traditional shelters or going to the county for help. Uh, So I think that in some sense, being able to go to your tribe where there already is a trust built in and there are already relationships and maybe even like in the case of Cheyenne, this is actual family. Um, That really opens up this housing opportunity and this possibility for homeless members of this tribe who might just, you know, resort to sleeping in their cars or camping out on the side of the road or by the lake. Um, and not necessarily going to government-run emergency shelters. And I think for them, there is a greater vision, too. Joshua had said that he sees a need for really targeted um, substance abuse, transitional housing program specifically for Native youth. Joshua had said that he wants to be able to buy a piece of land um, and build, you know, a dozen townhomes uh, so that Native people, elders, families can can live there and, you know, almost like recreate this modern day village. That's obviously, you know, years, if not decades in the making. They've got to have the land to do that and they've got to have the money to do that. I think that he sees, you know, this is just kind of the jumping off point. Basically, a community, it won't be a reservation because it's not sovereignty land, but it's still, it's a community of, you know, your family members, and uh, I think it would be good. When, when you think about the goals of Project Home Key and you look at the projects that have evolved under the program, uh, what have you learned as a housing reporter about how homelessness should be addressed in some of these more vulnerable communities? When we think about homelessness, I mean, that's where homelessness begins, you know? That was the first people that were pushed off of land, that were displaced, that were gentrified. One person that I said that I spoke to said, if you want to solve homelessness, you really need to solve native homelessness. You know, when I spoke with Patricia Franklin uh, with the Scotts Valley Tribe, um, you know, she she not only sees this from a leadership perspective, but, you know, she's also got her own personal experiences of growing up homeless, of growing up poor in this area. And, you know, she had said that for them, uh, it was normal. You know, it was very normal for her to sleep on uncle's floor because, you know, they were too poor to rent a room. I didn't know where the uh, the pain came from, where the uh, anger, where all of that stuff came from, but understanding the historical trauma has helped me to know where it came from and not to blame my mom. Mm-hmm. 
and to be able to say, hey, this is because this happened to our people as a tribe. She sees that, and she sees that legacy still exists for her community, and that she feels like they're actually going to be able to do something about it. Yeah, I, I think that it's going to really help because we're going to, we understand our own people. It's like, I want my tribe to have a home, too. I want them to have a place to call home, and I'm, I'm glad for this. Molly, thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Molly says the tribe hopes to have the final families move in this summer, and they plan to keep applying for more grants when they come up. Thanks to Molly Solomon, a housing affordability reporter for KQED. She's also the co-host of the podcast, Sold Out, Rethinking Housing in America. This episode was edited and mixed by Erica Cruz-Guevara and Alan Montecilio. Shailen Martos is our production assistant. Issa Mendoza writes our Friday newsletter. Our podcast leadership team is Jessica Plachek, Kiana Mogadam, Erica Aguilar, Vinnie Tong, Ethan Tobin-Lindsay, and Holly Kernan. We're made by your local public media station, KQED. I'm Devin Kadayama. That's it from us to you. Talk to you later. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. <laughs>